0: Welcome to the Out of the Darkness series podcast, Book 1, Operation Lazarus, Episode 3. Narrated by Colin Sharif Ganem, Characters by Caden Gardner and Nathan Dixon. Written by Caden Gardner. Chapter 5. Cabin in the Woods Everything comes full circle. Or at least, that's what I was taught growing up. I often wonder whether good karma exists or if good people just get lucky. Maybe that's how it used to be. Maybe not. It's definitely not how it is in the world I exist in. But we're not talking about my world, are we? At least not yet. No, this story is about the world before me. Despite what his own thoughts told him, David was a decent father. Being a single parent was difficult, especially when you were bringing up a teenage girl. He didn't mind it, though. He enjoyed her company, and she enjoyed his. I mean, how couldn't they? They were family. He was almost the only real family she had. David loved his daughter, but then again, most fathers do. But he had fought and killed for her. She had no idea about some of the things he had done to keep her safe. I guess that's what happens when you're an ex-CIA agent protecting your kin. David had protected her for 18 years. Thanks to him, it had been a mostly peaceful 18 years. But like I said, everything comes full circle. It was the middle of winter in France. The ordinarily green countryside was blanketed in a thick layer of white snow. It was the middle of nowhere. A vast wilderness covered in ice. It was remote, but not overly remote. Out here, someone could go without seeing another person for days, weeks even. It was a perfect place to stay out of trouble, especially for Grace and her father. They lived in a small wooden cabin, a place that no one could find them. Or so they thought. It was around six in the morning, and the sun hadn't quite peaked over the horizon yet. It was nowhere close to dark outside, though. The full moon's light reflected brightly on the snow. One could see well at night without having any need for night vision. The building was your basic log cabin. Nothing extraordinary about it at all. It was a single-room structure with two beds, a stove, a sink. It had the bare essentials for survival. It looked normal. But looks are deceiving. David Stone paced wildly through the cabin while frantically packing a backpack. He was a tall, lean man with short black hair that had specks of gray in it. He was aging, not quite the spry CIA agent he used to be, but nevertheless still deadly. He quickly covered himself with his old, worn-out leather jacket. Grace, wake up! He yelled across the cabin. Grace had been fast asleep on her bed. Her body sprawled out across the mattress with a small wooden nightstand next to her. She opened her bright emerald eyes slowly. The young lady wasn't sure what was happening as she groggily sat up. What, Dad? She asked as she rubbed her face with her knuckle. David walked past her and opened the small wooden dresser next to her. He reached in and pulled out a silver tomahawk. He underhanded it and bounced it on the mattress next to her. You're gonna need that. She looked down at the silver axe. It was shiny, almost glowing in the dark. The axe was one piece of metal that had been molded to its shape. It had a black survival cord wrapped tightly around the handle. Grace was a pale girl. Her skin was almost as white as paper. She had long black hair that was tied up into a ponytail. She grabbed her weapon with one hand and looked up at her father. What's going on? She asked. The perimeter alarm just went off. We need to leave. Which one? All of them. Grace shot off the bed and to her feet. David had already made it through the entranceway. Grace took a deep breath and opened the second drawer of her dresser. Inside, there sat a pair of black tactical pants and some boots. She grabbed the pants and boots, then stopped and listened for a second. That's when she heard it. Something was moving. There was a crunch in the snow. Her eyes widened, her face scowled. Front door! She shouted. Her father just happened to be standing not three feet from it. His back was to it, but he was quick. He spun around and dropped to his knee, pulling an M9 pistol out of his jacket as he did so. That was when the front door flew open. A man in a white tactical uniform had his weapon raised. David fired a single round. The man's head snapped back as he fell back into the snow. That was when all hell broke loose. A barrage of gunfire echoed throughout the night, hitting the cabin from all sides. Grace didn't have time to duck. She felt the stinging impact in her back send her face first onto the ground. She pulled herself off, eyeing her father, as she did so. You okay, baby doll? He asked. She nodded. Who the hell are these guys? No clue. Then, just as quickly as the gunfire started, it stopped. Another man flew into the front door behind the red-hot barrel of an assault rifle. He caught David off guard. But not Grace, who shot back to her feet and launched her tomahawk across the room. It hit the man in the center of the chest sending him flying out the doorway. Grace stumbled forward. David quickly grabbed the man's body by his ankles and yanked him inside, shutting the door as he did so. What do we do? she asked. David walked around the cabin for a second, and then he knelt in the center of the room. Grace could hear the approaching men. She could hear their feet trudging through the thick snow. David felt both hands around the rough wooden floor until he found his mark. He grabbed one of the boards and yanked it. The board came off the floor and Grace could see it. The way out through a dark abyss hidden under the trap door. Outside, the snow soldiers approached closer and closer, reaching the front door of the building. There were at least half a dozen of them. All of them were wearing white tactical gear and using white assault rifles. They stacked up next to the front door. Their breath was fogging up the air around them. The soldiers couldn't have expected what happened next. One moment, they were lined up. The next, they were engulfed in a fireball as the cabin exploded in fantastic fashion. Not a single one of the men could have survived it. They were all burnt to a crisp. David and his daughter had made it out from under the cabin and were flying down an icy road. Grace watched with a smile on her face as the fireball illuminated her rear-view mirror. I can't believe that worked, David said to himself. Who was that? Grace asked. David shook his head. I have no idea. They couldn't have been Moria's men. She doesn't use human mercenaries. Then who could it be? David shrugged. I don't. He was interrupted by a loud crack. Something blasted a hole in the windshield, and Grace's hands shot to her throat. Shit! He shouted. He lost control of the vehicle. The small red jeep spun out over the ice. Over and over again, making David dizzy as hell before finally coming to a stop. David found himself out of breath. He struggled to step out of the jeep. He had his gun raised but he couldn't see straight enough to shoot it he made it 5 or 6 feet away from the jeep he was looking for his target when he heard the sound of a gun clicking behind him his eyes widened the gunman had somehow gone between him and his vehicle slowly turn around a raspy voice said to him david dropped his weapon and turned slowly his hands raised above his head the man now in front of him, was in the same uniform as the others. It was a basic white tactical vest over an all-white uniform with a special forces helmet and mask to match. Who are you? David demanded. Shut up! David took a deep breath. He wasn't sure of what to do here. The man was close to his jeep, within arm's length. You shot my daughter! The man leveled his weapon with David's face, aiming carefully down the sights. Yeah, well, you blew up my team. David's eyes drifted to the jeep, then back to the soldier. David smirked at him. You should have left us alone. Suddenly, an arm burst through the jeep's window and grabbed the man by the back of his shirt. It yanked him close to the jeep. David watched as the look of bewildered surprise in the man's eyes morphed into one of complete and utter terror as Grace chomped down on the man's neck. Blood spewed everywhere, drenching his white uniform and the snow all around it. The red pool oozed towards David's feet. Grace let go of the man. His body went limp, and he fell forward into the snow. David looked up at his daughter's now blood-smeared face. You okay? he asked. Yeah, Grace said, gasping for air. David looked at the side of his jeep up and down. You got blood all over the door. Grace rolled her eyes. Your jeep is red, you idiot. David watched her for a second. He was thinking, thinking hard. Was eating him really necessary? We could have used him for information. In order to heal? Yes. David took a deep breath as he walked back over to the door. He grabbed the handle and opened it. Have a kid, they said. It would end well, they said. No one ever said that. You weren't there yet. David knelt beside the body. He could feel cold snow was dampening his knees through his jeans. He started feeling the body up and down his hands were occasionally grazing over the warm crimson liquid that had seeped into the man's uniform. Uh, what are you doing? Looking for something. It was then that David yanked out a small touchscreen cell phone from the man's pocket. Well, I'll be damned. He got up and opened the door to the jeep. Why did you steal the dead guy's phone? Grace asked. One of the key things in winning a war is intelligence, first off. Secondly, it's not stealing if he's dead. Grace frowned and cocked her head to one side. Are we at war? We are now, baby. We are now. David was now inside the jeep. He quickly shifted gears and hit the gas, causing the jeep to back out from the snowbank. He shifted gears again, and Grace could feel the force pull her closer to her seat as the jeep jetted off. Grace looked around, watching the trees gently sway in the wind as they passed them. Where are we going? She asked. To see your uncle Raphael. Maybe he can tell us why human mercenaries are hunting us. Chapter 6 The Morgue It's funny how death can motivate... If someone wants to honor a dying wish, then in most cases, they go through hell to do it. If someone wants revenge for the death of a loved one, then sometimes not even heaven can stop them. If someone feels the arms of death creeping around them, they might do things they've never done. Maybe it's human nature. We all know that death is the ultimate ending for us all. Everyone and everything falls to it. So, it makes sense for those within death's grasp to have their wishes met by others. Take Simon, for example. As strange as he was, he had friends who wanted to honor him, honor his death and life. Aisha was one of those friends. One of those friends that could always rely on him to get the things done he promised to get done. She was shocked by his sudden death. They all were. But it hadn't mattered. She didn't have time to be shocked. Not right now. It had been a little over eight hours since Simon took three bullets. Aisha had arrived at the hotel, intending to meet him, but was instead met by caution tape and police. Now she sat in the hotel's cafe. Her phone pressed tightly to her ear. She was watching as the guests wondered about their lives. Grandmaster She spoke softly into her phone A deep voice answered at the other end What's wrong, Aisha? Simon's been shot Shot? Like with a gun? Aisha took a deep, irritated breath She was seething in anger Yes By whom? I don't know They won't let me onto the crime scene, and they've already taken the body. I managed to get back into the security camera system. The footage should be to you shortly. The phone got silent on the other end, and Aisha could hear the irritated breathing. She knew what it meant. Someone was pissed. You know what you need to do. Find the body. If the humans discover us, it would mean danger. That's an order. Yes, sir. Aisha muttered. The next thing she heard was the line going dead. She stood from her chair, her eyes drifting around the room. What did you get yourself into, Simon? Aisha knew where she needed to go to next, and she didn't want to go there. Morgs gave her a weird feeling in her gut. The whole situation gave her a bizarre sense. She was used to her friends getting killed or even murdered. It came with what they did, but not getting shot. It was around midnight when Aisha arrived at the morgue. The sight of a grieving woman should have been typical for the guy working at the counter. He was an older gentleman in his forties or fifties, but he looked more military than mortician. The air inside the lobby was frigid and cold. It made the hair rise on Aisha's neck. She tightened her black sweatshirt. The lobby itself was weird for a morgue. It reminded her of a hotel lobby back home. There was a light grey desk with two random plants on either side of it. Aisha wasn't in the mood to even care about the plants. They were green and took up more of the clerk's small desk than they should have. Aisha walked straight up to him, a mix of fake and real tears in her eyes. Hello, sir she said, trying to hold back the fake urge to cry. The man looked at her. His expressionless eyes met her. May I help you? My husband was shot at a hotel this morning. I think he may be here. The man's eyes widened slightly. It wasn't much, but it made her pause. The man seemed surprised she was there. Um, what's his name? The man asked. His English was almost as good as her own. His name was Simon, she said between fake sniffles. The man frowned and leaned back away from the desk. One moment, please. He left the desk and walked out the door behind him. Aisha caught something as the door slowly flew shut. A foot was resting on the floor of the room the man had entered. She didn't know how she noticed it. The damn thing was shrouded in darkness. But she saw it nevertheless. Then she heard the door behind her open. She turned around. Two men had walked in behind her. They were both wearing black tactical uniforms with black masks that covered their faces. They were both armed with assault rifles. Hello, young lady, the first man growled. Aisha could feel her heart skip a beat, not because she was scared, but because she was a little more than confused. Someone knew who they were and that someone wanted a fight. Who are you guys? Aisha asked through gritted teeth. That's none of your business, bender. the first man responded. If Aisha wasn't upset before, she was now. She could feel her heartbeat quickening with each second. It was beating harder and harder like a battle drum. So you know who I am? Does that mean you killed Simon? The men raised their assault rifles at her. She took a few breaths as she watched them step towards her. They inched closer and closer. If I'd done it, I'd be bragging about it right now, the first man growled. Aisha reached into the pocket of her gray sweatpants, then pulled a pair of golden cubes out. Neither of the men lowered their weapons or even blinked. So, two guys. Is that it? It was then that she heard the click of another gun from behind the desk. She calmly turned her head to see the clerk with a pistol raised towards her. Three, she counted. Four, another voice sounded off from behind her. Aisha had found herself surrounded on all sides. The four men in the room were now bearing down on her. She smiled widely from ear to ear. You should have brought more. Aisha threw the cubes out in front of her and lunged forward. A bright yellow line of energy formed between them. A wall shot up from the glowing yellow line towards the ceiling. The two men in front of her instinctively opened up with their rifles. Then, just as suddenly as the wall appeared, it was gone. The two men looked at each other. The woman who was in front of them was nowhere to be seen. That was when the second man noticed it. The man who stood on the side of their target opposite of them was crumpling over. Guys, I think we shot Harry. Damn it, he owed me like fifty bucks. The first man stepped forward slowly. Suddenly, out of the corner of his eye. The first man saw bright yellow energy erupt from behind the clerk. Then the arm wrapped around his throat. That was when Aisha swiftly and skillfully removed the gun from the clerk's hand. The two men in the lobby both tried in vain to raise their weapons. Aisha was just too fast, popping rounds off into both their skulls. The two men's heads snapped backward and their bodies went limp. Aisha constricted her grip on the man's throat like a python. Where's the fucking body? The man couldn't get much out. The woman's iron grip was too tight All he managed was what sounded to Aisha like The back Aisha raised the man's pistol to his head And pulled the trigger The bullet went into his brain through his ear canal Making it the third ear that's been decimated in this story Aisha dropped the man's body to the ground It hit with a quiet thud Pussies She mumbled It didn't take her very long to find his body. Simon's corpse was lying on a metal table in the center of the room. It was even colder there than in the lobby. She looked her friend's carcass over. The weaselly, hairless body was covered from the neck down in tattoos. Symbols of an order long written out of the history books. Symbols that, if translated, would tell Simon's story. The story about how he got to where he was. At least, that is what they were to Aisha. To Simon, they were just cool fucking symbols. She read over them. Her fingertips were grazing the body as she did so. Jesus, Simon. You kinky son of a bitch. Okay, so maybe Simon did have a story written on his body. Just not a kid-friendly one. She raised her hand up. Slowly, it started glowing yellow. Charging, if you will. She could feel as the heat coming off of her hand began to make the room boil. All right, you always said you wanted a Viking funeral. I guess this kind of counts as a pyre. She placed her scorching hand on Simon's now cold chest. Almost instantly, it started to melt. First, the skin burned away. Then the muscles, then the bones. The room smelt like burning flesh. Thank God you're bald. Aisha mumbled She took a step back to admire her work She'd melted the man thoroughly There wasn't a trace left of him Well, aside from a melted humanoid shape left in the bed She reached into her pocket and grabbed her cell phone She was quick to place it to her ear Grandmaster Nigel? She said into her phone Yes, Aisha It's done Okay, good. Now I need you to head to New York. Aisha paused for a split second. Um, why New York? Because that's where Simon's killer is. Aisha didn't skip a beat. She didn't need to. Her friend was dead, and it was time for payback. Her jaw clenched, as did her fist. I'm on my way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Out of the Darkness series podcast. Next time, we catch up with Chad as he's reunited with Ophelia, followed by a flashback to the last time she and Trent worked in the field together. This series is based on the novel Out of the Darkness Operation Lazarus by Caden Gardner. Available now on Amazon Kindle, Apple Books, and Barnes & Noble Nook.